0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 948. Learn by doing. Uh, I've screwed up a lot of stuff in the garage, but it's all trial and error. So if you get your hands dirty and you learn the ins and outs pretty quickly, but more than just cars, it works with everything. If you want to get better at writing, you should write more. If you want to meet people in the industry, go where they are and start shaking hands. (laughs)
1: Hello automotive enthusiasts, I'm a revved up and so excited to introduce today's a very special guest, Bradley Brownell. Hey Bradley, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am, I've got my five-point harness on. Oh good, okay, well hopefully we won't need that. I'll try to keep it between the rails <laughs> and out of the ditch and the shiny side up as they say. Bradley Brownell is an automotive journalist who lives in Reno, Nevada. He's a diehard Porsche fanatic, I love that because my listeners know I love Porsches too who's also a podcaster and a co-founder of the 80s and 90s car show Radwood. You'll find Bradley's writings in automotive magazines, including AutoWeek, European Car, and Roadkill. He also writes for numerous websites, including The Drive, Jalopnik, Flat Sixes, Hooniverse, and forums, including Corvette Forum, Team Speed, Mustang Forum, and many others. He's also a self-professed collector of mostly awful, yes, awful automobiles, We're going to learn a little bit more about that, I hope, as we go through our talk here. So, Bradley, I have told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little more about your career and a very obvious passion for writing about automobiles?
0: Yeah, I sure can. Um, So I first started in the industry, in the automotive industry. I was writing for my local SCCA region uh, for their newsletter and uh, figured out that I really liked it. I got a degree in advertising and promotion right at the height of the recession, so nobody was hiring. And uh, I found a job selling Porsche parts at a vintage restoration shop. So I was doing online sales of like 914, early 911, and 356 parts. I did that for about a decade. And then earlier this year, I actually jumped into full-time automotive journalism. I had been doing it nights and weekends basically that entire time. And I eventually turned it into
1: my day job. Oh, very cool. So, Yeah, Yeah, I Uh, love that. Now, where where (laughs) did you work for selling Porsche parts?
0: I first got my start when I was in Atlanta. I worked for a place called Automobile Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was hired away from there to start a Porsche division of a company called ECS Tuning. Mm -hmm. And I was there for a little while and I was hired away to a vintage Porsche shop called Stoddard. Oh, yes. They've been around since the 50s yeah. and, uh, yeah, primarily 356 and early 9-11 parts. So. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. I,
1: I know all those businesses and especially Stoddard. I've bought many parts from them for my old Porsches throughout the years. Very cool. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has great meaning for you and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Bradley, take <laughs> the wheel.
0: Something that I've said over the years is uh, nothing is precious. And it sounds like I'm saying that the cars don't matter, but uh, it kind of is and isn't. I extrapolate that to mean that the cars themselves are unimportant. It's more the experiences that we gain by being car enthusiasts that that really matter. So um, I don't have patience for people who just buy cars and then put them in a basement somewhere. I'm more about cars being used as a tool to facilitate experiences. Oh, so that. going on road trips or going to car shows or racing them or whatever, I, I prefer that people use their cars. And I, I've moved that into other things where it just means like, use your tools to make things experiential between you and, and other people in the business.
1: You know, it makes great sense to me. And I agree with you. I love it when collectors, even high-end collectors go out and share their cars with others versus tucking yes. them away Just as a monetary investment, they don't share them with anybody. They never drive them. That makes me crazy because, of course, some of it is jealousy. I wish I could have all those cars because I would be out driving them all and enjoying them. But you're right. This all goes back to the people. And I hear this over and over again with all my guests. It's about the experiences with peoples that make our hobby so interesting and so fun and brings all of us together. So. I understand. At first, when I heard that cars aren't precious, I'm like, "Wait, wait a minute! Got the wrong guy on the show here." today. But, but uh, I think you're, I, I you're very cars. right.
0: <laughs> I love cars, but it's more about the experiences that yes. that make it fun. You know, if I had, if I just had my car sitting in a garage and I could sit there and look at it, it wouldn't mean as much to me if I didn't have the um the background with the car yes. to go with it. You know,
1: absolutely. Well, let's go back in time a little bit here, Bradley, and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you were indeed a car guy?
0: Yeah, I, I actually didn't get bit by the bug until I was probably 18 years old, 17 years old, which is pretty late for a lot of people. But um, I had taken a foreign exchange program in high school, my senior year of high school, and I was living in Spain, and I didn't have much to read in English because obviously there's not a lot of books in English there. Mm -hmm. So, my grandfather sent me care packages and they included uh, his old issues of uh, Hot Rod and um, Mopar. He's a big Mopar guy. Ah, cool. Uh, And some Motor Trend and things like that. So, every month I would get this package that had four or five magazines in it and they were the only thing that I had to read that was in English so i I would just devour them from cover to cover, and I would read every single word, trying to learn what any of it meant and By the time I got home, I probably knew more than most people that worked at the dealership or or even at the you know shop around the corner so um, that was the big life changing moment for me I think was reading all of those magazines and then when I got home, I started devouring even more I got into. Uh, videos and watching old Top Gear and and magazines. I subscribed to like 15 magazines at one point. I was huge posting on forums and trying to stuff as much car knowledge into my brain as I possibly could. So that's
1: when I knew. (laughs) Well, it's very cool that that indoctrination came from your grandfather for the automotive enthusiasm. I like that very much. And when you're uh, away, and it's great you took that foreign exchange program, I think that's so important for young people to go off and live in another place, learn another culture, understand people that are in different parts of the world. My children both did it, and it was life-changing for both of them, so yeah, wonderful thing, but uh, I love what your grandfather did there. Well, let's uh, take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a great challenge or a big failure you faced these things come along for all of us, but they teach us very valuable lessons, and that's the most important thing I'd like to learn. Here is tell us about how an experience like that helped you gain even more momentum in your career and your business.
0: I think the biggest challenge that I've ever faced was leaving my day job to write full time, and that was in March of 2017 when I, I left my job to work full time, and I was skeptical that I could make it work, you know, because. It's, it's a grind sometimes to write uh, up to 11 articles in a day. Mm-hmm. But I figured out that I'm dedicated enough to this calling that I want to do this forever. This is the thing that I want to do, and I'll do whatever it takes to make it work. Just finding the thing that you love and focusing on it is something that's moved me forward.
1: You know, it's a great story, and I love the boldness there and the, the daring to step outside that comfort zone of a, of a day job. Even though you were working full-time day job and then nights and weekends – trying to build this career in writing. But what comes to mind is I had a guest on back in December, Lee Dorrington, who's been doing this forever. And similar story back when he was a very young guy. And he's Lee's now up, I think, in his late 60s, early 70s, and made a whole lifetime career. And I've had dozens, in fact, hundreds of journalists and writers and authors on the show that very similar stories. They finally stepped out and said, "This is what I'm going to dedicate my life to." So, a very brave and bold move. And uh, you proved that it can actually be done, which is even cooler. <laughs> so, well,
0: I have to, I have to credit my wife for that because I couldn't have done it without her uh, uh, help. So, yeah, yeah, you know that's another. <laughs> she's been thing. very supportive.
1: Yeah, that's another thing I hear is having a supportive partner, spouse, uh, whatever it might be. To help you to say, you know what, you should do this. And I've had many guests that have said the same thing. They were hemming and hawing and not sure. And there's, I think they finally got that affirmation from their spouse saying, it's okay, go do it. If it doesn't work, then we'll do something different. But if you mm-hmm. don't do it, you're going to always look back and say, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And those are words of a loser. So <laughs> yeah, now I've learned that from a friend of mine when I was out surfing one day. So way back in my youth. <laughs> when I hesitated to take off on a weather, rather large wave and I said, I should have taken that, and he turned to me and said those phrases, and they've always stuck in my head. So uh, take a little chance for sure. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share a story. When you had a career aha moment, I like to say it's when those headlights come on and illuminate a new path, a new roadway for you to take. Tell us about yours.
0: Yeah, it's still kind of developing. So you had mentioned at the top of the show that I, I started this car show called Radwood. And I think that that has the potential to be a really big thing. So so in the summer of 2016, some friends and I were talking about how there wasn't really a car show that existed for the kinds of cars we like. Uh, generally, we're, you know, on the lower end of enthusiasts. You know, we don't make a ton of money, so we don't have a bunch of collector cars or anything like that. We've got things like E30s. I've got a Boxster. That was very inexpensive, you know, 80s and 90s kind of cars that are on the at the bottom of their depreciation curve. Sure. We realize that there's a bunch of enthusiasts for these cars, but there's really nowhere to display them or to have fun with them. So in general, if you were to take something like a 944 to a PCA meeting, they would technically allow you in, but they would kind of look at you like, what's this guy doing here? Come on, (laughs) you know in in a little under a year we developed and realized a plan and we put Radwood out into the world it's a 80s and 90s automotive show that we kind of loosely based around goodwood in that we we like to have period-correct accessories and clothing with everybody bringing their cars. Oh, cool. So even if you're not showing a car, you just dress like somebody from the 80s and 90s, and you <laughs> can have a good time. And, you know, there's, there's a million different ways that you can go with that. Yeah. Uh, we had two shows in 2017, and we're already planning for more shows this year, gaining a lot of media attention. It, it's been basically everywhere for the last couple of months. So I'm really, really happy with the way that that's gone and just – Catering to a group of enthusiasts that didn't necessarily have anyone catering to them uh, was was kind of my aha moment.
1: You know, I love this. Uh, Where I live up here in the Pacific Northwest, there's a group of E30 BMW fanatics that have a big E30 picnic every year, and hundreds of cars show up, and and they're welcomed by everybody, really, and uh, you're right. That kind of falls into a group of cars that's not quite the uh, Concorde or Lemons that you hear about in the... During Pebble Beach Car Week, these are cars that are actually well-loved. They're really nice cars, beautiful cars, and it's a group of people that want to get in. And and I've had a lot of guests on the show here say, you know, you don't need a lot of money to get into this car hobby. And I even had a gentleman up here, Lance, who said, you know, you only really need about five grand to get a car that will get you into almost any car show, even if you want to go earlier Mm -hmm. than that. You can buy earlier collectible cars that maybe, well, that aren't as expensive as Ferrari GTOs and <laughs> the way Porsches have gone lately, the long hoods and oh the 356s, goodness. they've all become very expensive. So I'm so happy that you did that because it just broadens the depth of quality of people that get into the hobby. So very nicely done. Yeah. Well, how about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many of those. Is there one <laughs> you would share?
0: yeah i i'm I'm really proud of what I accomplished in twenty seventeen being able to turn my passion for writing into a full time job and having my hard work recognized and and um it's developed into features in multiple magazines and websites. With the help of friends, I've built this uh, really cool new car car event that has drawn attendees from all across the country. Yeah, And it's, uh, it's really special, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. So yeah, I think just in general, the year 2017 has been um, something I'm really proud of yeah. for my
1: career. Absolutely. And as we're into the new year here, uh, no doubt that will improve. And A lot of those publications that I mentioned in your intro are all magazines I subscribe to or forums and places I go and read, so uh, I think it's great. You just put yourself out there, and that's what you have to do. Well, let's have a little bit of fun again and talk about your first really special car. Now, at the (laughs) beginning, I introduced you as someone who, uh, let's see, quote-unquote collects mostly awful automobiles <laughs> but the picture i have of you for um, your show notes page on the carsia you website you're in front of an older 911 which doesn't look like an awful car so uh it's actually it's a 912e oh well that's cool <laughs> okay it look well you know you can't tell with those until you no, walk yeah. around the back and look look at the exhaust or look on the back deck lid if the the right, numbers that's... are still there but uh, yeah tell us about your first really special car
0: I bought a Triumph TR7 uh, fixed head coupe three days before graduating from high school, and uh, it looked really interesting and weird, and it was my first sports car. It was fun to drive, but uh, because of some corners that were cut in the restoration, that car tried to kill me at least twice, mm. so I don't miss it even a little bit. Um <laughs> However, uh, because of working on that car and things, it, it helped develop my passion for automo- automotive everything. Yeah. So uh, I learned how to wrench on cars. I learned how to rebuild engines, how to you know fix things like rust and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, brake systems that failed. Yeah. So uh, that car was special to me because it developed into a hobby, but the fact that it was so awful. Um
1: <laughs> I almost probably. think I almost think that every young automotive enthusiast should be forced to buy an old a British car as their first car oh, yeah, and be indoctrinated with a uh, a wrench or a spanner in their hand as they say over across the pond and sure. uh, be forced to learn a few things about cars. I think it's invaluable lessons, but that's pretty funny. The Triumph that yeah. tried to kill you. Hmm. Interesting. So <laughs> I
0: I I think I may have found the only car that's worse than that was um I now have an MG midget. <laughs> uh, it's a early seventies model that uh, uh, it it needs a lot of work. It needs floors, and um, yeah. it was in a fender bender, so the both fenders and the hood and the front bumper and everything are all all messed up. But uh, it does run and drive, and I bought it for three hundred dollars and drove it uh, seven hours to get home. So wow,
1: <laughs>
0: that's daring. Yeah, uh, but that's just one of the many um, awful, mostly awful cars that I own. So. I like it. Well, <laughs> you're
1: a guy who likes a challenge, so that's very brave absolutely. of you, for sure. Absolutely. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've let go you wish you had back? I absolutely have one. So when I
0: lived in Ohio, when I was working at Stoddard, I bought this wonderful 1983 944. It was the first year Porsche 944 sold in the U.S. Yeah, It had a manual steering rack, a manual sunroof. I had pulled all the carpets and put lightweight carpet in and done, you know, RS door panel kind of stuff and really kind of turned it into a kind of a a factory special kind of car. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, obviously, but uh, it looked like it could have been factory, I suppose. Yeah. I spent a lot of work and effort making that the car that I wanted. But when I moved out west to Reno, I it didn't make financial sense to ship it because shipping would have cost like $2,000 $2,000 and the car was maybe worth 2500 at the time. So <laughs> sure. so I, I sold it to a friend and uh, I would have that car back in a heartbeat. I wish that I had driven it yeah. out here. Yeah. So.
1: yeah, 944s are really kind of finally making a little bit of a comeback. I have a good friend here in the Northwest who collects really nice cars and he found a really nice 944, a little later model. That was uh, very low mileage and uh, a and beautiful car. In fact, he took it to the Porsche parade that we had here in the state of Washington last year. So uh, very cool car. Shout out to Bill. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. We're into the new year here, and I'd love to hear what has you excited and fired up about what's happening in 2018.
0: 2018, I'm going to be that boxer that I mentioned. I'm turning that into a track car, so I'm getting that cool on the racetrack. So. Uh, I enjoy wrenching on that car because it's just so simple. Like it didn't have traction control or, or stability control or any of that. Basically it's just, uh, ABS and you and your right foot. So, uh, I really love that that car, and I'm, I'm going to enjoy getting that on track. And then also growing Radwood is going to be a lot of work, but a lot of fun along the way. And, uh, 2018 is, uh, shaping up to be a good year. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the boxers make awesome track cars. I mean, the way yeah. they're configured and set up, and I've had several guests on the show here who bought older ones because they're very inexpensive and mm-hmm. you know, take turn them into track cars. They're they're a lot of fun, very reliable, and uh, you mm-hmm. can set them up to go pretty darn fast too. So yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. mine's a, a ninety seven, and uh, so it's the two point five liter with the five speed nice. uh, Audi gearbox. Yeah. so yeah, it's uh, relatively simple and and should be. Uh, pretty good to hustle around the track. You really have to thrash it to get the power out of it. but Yeah,
1: yeah. get the momentum going. That's for sure. Yeah, for oh, sure. what fun. You're going to have a fun year, that's for sure. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Bradley. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why?
0: <laughs> so I thought about this a little bit. I think I'm a DeLorean. Oh, okay. Th-
1: <laughs> I think you might be the first DeLorean. Now, why a DeLorean? Uh,
0: I think, well, because I'm a child of the 80s, I'm heavy and slow. And uh, <laughs> it it takes a special kind of person to appreciate living with me in spite of my flaws. Uh, and uh, I'm just interesting and outgoing enough that I can draw a crowd.
1: There you go. You've thought that through nicely. I appreciate <laughs> that. Very cool. We're badly up. Next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber custom floor mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy to install and easy to clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at covercraft.com and tell them Market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. All right, Bradley, we're back and we're entering the last lap. You've been out on the track. You know what that means. The white flag is out. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yes. Here we go. Well, what's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
0: Uh, my father taught me to learn by doing. Uh, I've screwed up a lot of stuff in the garage, but it's all trial and error. So if you get your hands dirty and you learn the ins and outs pretty quickly, but more than just cars, it works with everything. If you want to get better at writing, you should write more. If you want to meet people in the industry, go where they are and start shaking hands. Yes. So that's my,
1: my advice. Nice wisdom from your father. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your many successes over the years?
0: Absolutely. I think that uh, in order to be taken seriously, you should maybe do something crazy. <laughs> One of, the, one of the things that really got me going this year was I drove my 912E, my 40-year-old Porsche, across the country, Wow! and everybody called me bonkers. They said that it was crazy, and it would break down, and nothing would work, and uh, it ended up on the cover of Auto Week magazine, so.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, I remember that, yeah. I think it, I think it may have worked out. <laughs> I think it worked out quite nicely, yeah. Step outside your boundaries. Do something you've never done. Do something you're afraid to do dare to fail and you never know what might come out of it you might end up being a podcaster like me i mean <laughs> when i started this i didn't even know what a podcast was by the way i, I didn't ask you this but i'm going to add this in here in my intro we talk about podcasting and you do some yes,
0: podcasting i do yeah i have uh i i have two shows uh one of them is a motorsport show called the dfl show that's all about racing and um following motorsport uh worldwide cool and then I have a show that is general interest automotive called uh, the Camden Tubbed podcast. <laughs> Interesting. And uh, that one is with a friend of mine named uh, Cam Vanderhorst. And we share a couple of hours every week to just kind of talk about cars.
1: Where can people find those podcasts?
0: They are posted every week on Hooniverse.com. They're also on the Shout Engine network and you can download them from, you know, the iTunes um, podcast app.
1: There you so. go. Now, how about a resource? Those are a couple of great resources, your two podcasts. But is there another resource you'd like to share with our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, I
0: wouldn't be anywhere in this business without my friend, Camille Kaluski. He gave me my start in this automotive world by writing for a site of his that doesn't exist anymore. But he is now, at, well, among other places, he's also writing at Universe and uh, The Truth About Cars and things like that. So uh, find him on social media. He's at CarGuyDad on Twitter. Great guy. And anybody that knows him knows he's he's a really nice dude.
1: Shout out to a very nice guy indeed. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? David E. Davis Jr. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know about him, I mean, just Google him, Wikipedia. You'll find all sorts of things out there, some great books. He was an editor of uh, Auto Week for a long time, I believe, right? Yeah. And he started Automobile Magazine. um, And
0: yeah, he was he was just a a great person in the industry. And and he had such a way with words. Yes. Absolutely loved listening to him. And somebody once told me that my beard was almost as good as his. So (laughs)
1: I've
0: got to say that was probably the best compliment I've ever been paid.
1: There you go. Well, if I could uh, have you share a book with our listeners, a book you've really enjoyed, what would that be? Uh, lately I've really enjoyed, uh, Rob Siegel's memoirs of a hack mechanic. <laughs> Rob's been a guest here
0: on cars. Yeah. Yes. He is a, a great friend of mine and another guy that has a way with words. He's, he's, um, an excellent stand in for the everyman, is yeah. the way that I say
1: it. You know, if, if Rob can do it, you can do it. Absolutely. <laughs> and we gave away a couple of his books here on cars. Yeah. I'm always giving away cool things on cars. Yeah. So I remind our listeners to go to carsyeah.com. You can find everything that Bradley shared with us today on his show notes page. Just type in Bradley Brownell, B R O W N E L L. His page will pop right up. There's another great place on the website called Guest Recommended Books under the resources tabs where this book and all the wonderful recommendations by my inspiring automotive enthusiasts are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. Over a thousand books there. It's a great resource. All right, Bradley. We're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a bit of a doozy. I know Christmas has already <laughs> passed, but I'm going to play Santa Claus a little bit here late uh past the season, and I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet. doesn't matter where it is, who owns it. It's going to end up in your garage, and money's no Kay. object, so don't worry about that. Kay. What's it going to be?
0: Uh This changes probably by the minute, but <laughs> yeah, uh, as of... As of right now, I really want an original uh, 1960s myers Manx
1: dune buggy. Oh, my gosh. That is a unique one.
0: Yeah. I (laughs) I live in the desert, so I think it would be a lot of fun to explore some of the off-road areas of Nevada's wide open spaces. And uh, they've got a lot of style, and I love that open air feeling. And I think it would be a really fun project to work on, maybe with a larger engine from a Corvair or a 911 or something.
1: Well, let's put a 911 inch in there, engine sure. in there, since we're Why both not? Porsche guys. Why not? Yeah. But, uh, well, you take it, you've made it a little easy for me today because most people are asking for very expensive cars. Now, I know that those have been become collectible. So they're not super cheap like they were back in the day in the sixties and seventies, but, um, I'll get to work uh, on that. Do You have a particular <laughs> color you'd like that glass coat to be. Oh boy! Uh, like a a red with a ton of
0: bass boat flake in it.
1: There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Sixties <laughs> baby. Yeah, just yeah. like my Schwinn bicycle. Yeah, I love it. Or <laughs> well, Bradley, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with me and the Car Show listeners. Would you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip up that sand dune in that Myers <laughs> Mangst dune buggy. Uh, yeah, follow your passions. It's definitely worth it. Ah, Yes, it's the way to go. Secret sauce to life. And what's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and keep up with what you're doing?
0: Uh, you can read my work on Sundays at Jalopnik. All of my Porsche stuff is on flat sixes dot com. You can find more out about Radwood on Radwood dot org. I'm on Instagram at Turbo Brad. That's uh, spelled weird. So it's T-U-R-B-O-H-B-R-A-D. There you go. And uh, at Radwood Official. And then on Twitter, I'm at BC Brownell. And uh, as before, I mentioned my two podcasts, The DFL Show and Camden Tubbed. All over the place we can find All you. All over the place. I'm yeah. prolific.
1: And I understand you're uh, kind of pumping up your LinkedIn page so people can find you there as well. I Another am, yes. Thank resource. you for mentioning that. Absolutely. It's a great place, great resource to connect with people in the business world well, listeners, you can find everything that Bradley shared again with us today on com. Just go to my website. Type in Bradley or Bradley Brownell into that search bar and all those things will pop up. I encourage you to follow along with what he's up to. You're going to love his writing. Great work. Kudos to you for stepping out of your comfort zone last year and making it happen in 2018. Bradley, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic.